This is the Beard Winner Podcast, episode 15. Hi everyone, it is Darren tuning in. I don't know why you would think it was anyone else tuning in, but I appreciate your patience in 2021 because I left you all hanging for four months in between January and May of 2021 without giving you an episode. I hope the last episode kind of paints a picture as to why it had been so long. And I did listen back to that episode and I really think it's good that I left it up. I was going to pull it. There's literally a point the day after it was first released on the 19th of May that I thought, huh, do I really want to be this vulnerable, this honest, this open with an audience? Yeah, why not? I mean, in today's day and age, as I've talked about at length, people are always putting out their brand and your brand may not be genuine. It may be a facade. It may be safeguard, a geofence that you've put around yourself. So outsiders looking in, including friends, family, even close friends, family and acquaintances can see only the best of the best. And that's something that maybe needs to change. And I think that with the exodus on Facebook, that's going to help. I don't know what's going to take Facebook's place. I don't know if it's Snapchat or whatnot, but or Twitter, God forbid. But people seem to be getting off of there because I don't think people are alone in feeling and noticing Facebook is not what it used to be. It's become this titan for people to either get on a soapbox, display their best self, not get any empathy when they really need it or help from friends, and get frustrated and be filled with angst because a family member or a friend or someone that they've known for decades is on a God forbid, a different spectrum of the political ideology than you are, or doesn't believe exactly what you believe. But that's not what this episode's about. I left you guys hanging in the last episode, and it was a long time coming, that episode. And I did follow through with the Academy and Evaluation, and I did follow through with three treatments. And I must say, they are life-changing. I knew going into it that it was going to be pricey, but I have spent money on much dumber and frivolous things in my life. And there may be some contributing factors that I've gone back to the gym. I started working out four to five times a day, not a day a week. (laughs) If I did it four to five times a day, when the hell would I work? Um, No, but I've started doing that again. I've gone to Planet Fitness. I gave it a chance. I mean, yeah, it's a beginner's gym. There's mainly equipment. Yes, there's not any way to do deadlifts in there. I don't see people eating pizza while working out. I have not seen pizza in there. They have tanning, um, massage, water beds that they spray water on you, kind of like a bidet without direct contact. No, I'm just kidding. It's not there to clean your butt. And I've actually noticed that for the most part, except for older people, like people in their 40s or 50s maybe, I'm only talking about a couple. It's only one woman that I saw do this. They don't wipe the machines off after they use it. They wipe it off before they use it. So I kind of get where they're coming from. They want to wipe off 
their person before them sweat, even though they just saw me wipe the machine off, but then they won't wipe it when they get off. I don't know. So I, I, I just guess I'm okay with sitting in butt sweat. I don't know. Everyone join the R. Kelly concert. We're all getting peed on today. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I've just come to accept it. People are just going to do what the hell they want. And if you want to try to lead by example and wipe stuff off after you use it, maybe people will notice and maybe they won't. But it's not my job. It's not your job. It's not all the Karens in the world's job to police everyone. Humans have this real innate tendency to love to tell each other what to do. And my gosh, three infusions of ketamine has really opened up my mind. And it has shown me that I wish that I somehow could have contributed to the music industry so much more. Because I have a playlist that I listen to when I dive in. First song is Aqueous Transmission by Incubus. That gets you nice in, into the flow. Because they, they fill you with saline, of course. Or they start a saline drip. And the best way to do ketamine, for anyone listening, and you can talk to doctors out there, some will try to get you to do lozenges. Um, but the gold standard from the doctor who was on Theo Vaughn's podcast said it's IV intravenously. And that's because it's more predictable. If you give someone a lozenge with a preset dose, you cannot throttle it back. If you give someone too much, you cannot throttle it back. So that takes me to my first experience with it. And the first experience I had, I did not feel what Theo Vaughn was explaining, that out-of-body experience. And that's where what ketamine's famous for is disassociating yourself from your ego, actually having ego death, an out-of-body experience, transcendal. And even the doctor told me one of his other patients felt like he was just a couple minutes away from solving some complex arithmetic or equation that not even Einstein could solve. And that's cool. The beauty is, is that our bodies, our brains, and everything that makes up this world is a really complicated and I think still not very well understood set of chemistry. And the reactions between one person and the other are going to be vastly different. Theo had his experience on a couple episodes back when he aired woofed out on April 29th and he said and another caller called in and talked about this on his show on this past weekend and said that both of them had this experience where they cried the very first time like it was literally like the tears just could not get out of their eyeballs fast enough and I was expecting that I was expecting to feel some deep emotions and I've heard there's different approaches to it I've heard that they're like I said are lozenges which I don't recommend and Theo had a follow-up episode on May 21st. It's episode 341 of this past weekend, if you'd love to tune in and learn more about it. But he has Dr. Jason Pooler on there. And he's out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. He would be the dream doctor in a perfect world. because, And his treatments are probably more expensive because he's in the room with you the whole time. During your evaluation, your therapy that leads up to the actual infusion, he finds out what your drugs are, what your poisons are, what times of the day you feel good? What times of the day do you not feel so well? What times of the day do you feel tired? And then they find points, things to focus in on. And that's where I empathize with Theo, is that he didn't have that experience, neither did I, where we had someone in the room walking us through these thoughts, essentially being there during hypnotherapy, if you've ever experienced that, having someone be your guide. Because the best thing I've ever heard, and I believe I've said this in other podcasts, episodes, was 
from my hypnotherapist, Terry Moore, he said to me when I was deep in hypnosis, would you agree with me? And this is many years ago, like at least 2017 to 2016 is before I left PayPal. He said, would you agree with me that hypnosis is essentially just my suggestions to your subconscious? And I think that would be really beneficial. But knowing that I was not going to have a counselor in the room, I wanted to do some self-preparation. And I think that doing your own due diligence in your research prior to doing one of these sets of sessions is in your best interest. You want to have a playlist of songs if you're not going to have someone in there. And I've t taken lots of hours spent out on the internet looking on Reddit, Google, anywhere I can find information about what songs people would listen to. And the verdict I found was that either you're going to listen to a CD that sounds like one of those things, I don't remember if, it really depends on how old you are, but if you're old enough to remember malls, and you're old enough to remember those things that sat in the malls with a C bunch of CDs on a, in like a Hallmark store, and they had like different buttons you could push, and it'd be waves crashing, it'd be peaceful music, etc. There's some artist on there people recommended, and they said it was really great for that. But other people with higher anxiety levels and whatnot recommended doing tunes that were more familiar. And I went that route because, and I also, before I go into the because, I also looked at, well, what music have I listened to throughout the course of my life? Because if this is a spiritual journey, which is what I call the playlist, I wanted to take me back to those moments. So the playlist that I chose spans many decades, decades I have not been alive in, but I grew up on classic rock, like 70s, 60, late 60s rock, and then I got into alternative rock of the 90s and the early 2000s, and then I just kept becoming more eclectic and loving different types of music. So my playlist, if you want to take a look at it because I don't know how I can share it, I have Aqueous Transmission by Incubus as the first song. It's a nice, gentle six-minute song because the experience, they get you in the IV drip. It takes about five minutes roughly for it to kick in, and it's not like a steamroller. Theo explained it in one of his sessions. He said, recall those, what are those things called? We'll just call them conveyor chain things of laundry cleaning. Imagine those going around slowly at first, but then going into overdrive, just spinning around. And then he remembered being stuck in the corner of the universe and yelling he was a cryptocurrency. And I don't know if that was for comedy or whether that was really what he felt or what he experienced, but he said that it was like he was trapped in the edge of a video game, like those older ones where you'd be stuck in a corner and you just couldn't get out, you couldn't jump anything, you were just stuck in that corner. And he said he felt that way on his way back to the chair. I still have three sessions left. I'm on a decently high dose. We started out safely, and that's why I don't really like the lozenges move. I like the ability to start intravenously because they can always up your dose if it's not enough. They can give you more if you need a deeper experience. But lozenges, it's whatever the pre-determined dose is, you put it in your mouth, I think, and you either process it through your digestive system or sublingually, and it could last however long. But this literally lasts about 45 minutes. My ride home, I was able to tell my dad, I said, hey, um, they're starting now. And he was able to time it so he could start heading back in about 45 minutes. And they give you a 250 milliliter saline bag. They inject a couple syringes full of the ketamine. And it's, like I said, about five milligrams per kilogram of body weight. And I have a very good tolerance for it. I did not see any real geometric shapes, no extreme emotions. I didn't cry during the first one. I didn't really get transported back in time 
or senior real visuals. The first one was more, I would say, like going to sleep when you're really tired, but having a nice warm hug, like an, maybe a glass of really warm tea that your mom may have slipped a little bit of brandy in and lemon when you were sick and you just needed to go to sleep but without the sickness. It was just like a warm cloud was hugging you. And then the second infusion, when they upped the dose a little bit, the best way to describe that, and I've read someone say it's like swimming through warm molasses, but I think it's like swimming through warm honey. To me, molasses is dark. Not much light gets through it unless it's a very large amount of that viscous substance, and it's really sticky. I mean, honey is sticky too, but I just felt my hand reach out like I was doing a swimming motion, like a front stroke during the second session, and I would look at my hand and wonder about it, and then I would feel the pain in my neck and my upper back disappear, and then I would be able to really get into the music. Like going through and listening to this music and hearing aqueous transmission kick in, you're floating down a river, you're hearing beautiful music in the background. If you've never heard Aqueous Transmission by Incubus, it's a great high-fidelity sound. Play it on a, a car stereo that you love that has both highs, lows, and mids, a great set of headphones, or your own personal stereo system that you may have in your basement if you're an audiophile. But as you drift into it, that's where the music becomes really a part of it because if you don't leave your body and you don't leave the chair, the music is your grounding force. And I know this seems wacky, but if you look at the lyrics in Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd, it really seemed to resonate with me. And then next we had Drive by Incubus, another Incubus song, but you know I'm going to take the wheel and drive. Because for the first time ever, in the second or third session, I felt like I was in the driver's seat of my own life. And I didn't feel anxiety. And I haven't felt it since Tuesday. And I haven't felt the desire to drink. Yes, I have a shit ton of beer still. And it's sitting there. But I just went ahead and paid out the butt for a treatment that I want to allow my brain to create new pathways, reconnect synapses and have them fire again that were not firing in the past, and help this engine that runs on the chemistry of my body fire a little bit more efficiently. And then as you go into it, you start to ask yourself questions. And this is where, if you know the situation you're getting into where you're not going to have a counselor in the room, try to at least have private rooms because you don't know what you're going to say during these things. And I don't think it's professional for places to have like a group where people are saying their most deepest, darkest, you know, thoughts or possible traumas that they've gone through in their life in a public setting. I think that's weird. You don't go talk to a psychiatrist in a room and do that. I mean, you may do that in group therapy, and that's perfectly fine. If you're into that, that's cool, but I just want to make sure that you set the stage, and I think that's where my anxiety that's been an unwelcome passenger my whole life, and I finally just came up with the word of how to describe it, is gone. I don't have any emotion for it. I don't miss it, but it just feels weird not to have it lurking in the shadows of boredom or have it be there in the morning when you wake up because you think there's something that has to be done. And you convince yourself, oh, this is the same feeling I had right before going to, you know, the water park when I was a kid, or, you know, the morning we knew we were going to the water park, or we had some big trip planned or something like that. And that's excitement. And and, and that's not really fight or flight. And, and maybe it's a similar feeling that we get in our gut, 
maybe it's a similar physiological feeling, but what goes on inside the brain and the racing heart that accompanies anxiety where you think like you're, you're literally having a heart attack at certain times, that's uncomfortable and it can be debilitating. And depression, it's tough. I mean, it hurts. It hurts really, really bad. And one thing that I've done recently is connected with a show called A Million Little Things. And that show is exclusively about suicide prevention. And I suggest anyone, if, if you're in that spot, reach out to friends, family, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Please know there is a reason for you to get up every day. You are loved. People love you. And life is going to be better. There are so many cloudy days that I have seen over my head, even when the sun is shining bright. And as they said last night on The Million Little Things, where one of the characters was talking to a friend of the father she lost due to suicide, and he asked and asked why he didn't die, it was because of chance. Their other best friend called his phone to tell him the bad news about her father before he took a lethal dose of pills because he woke up one morning without a purpose. And I don't think that we have to wake up with a specific purpose. Like I'm going to go hammer X amount of nails in a board today because that's what I do. No, I think it's more about, I'm going to do the best that I can do to make today a good day. I'm going to do the best that I can do to make one person smile. I'm going to do the best that I can do to be happy and live as full of a life as possible because being a human is hard it's lonely with social media out there it social media has evolved and i beat that dead horse to a, a whole different degree but you have to be able to look at different options out there and i'm not saying jump towards this i mean i've taken almost every single antidepressant i can think of and maybe it's because maybe this current one that i'm taking is working pretty well and but I can't even say that because there's been some other dependent, independent variables or dependent variables that I have changed throughout the past couple weeks. I have started going back to the gym. I feel better about doing that. I started, you know, getting sunlight because it's nicer. It's not rainy all the time. And I started doing this therapy. And work has been getting easier because we're getting more people behind us and working less hours, less 50 plus hour weeks that's much better than 60 to 70 hour weeks and it's just been exponentially better I was going to delete that first episode man was I going to delete it I logged on on the 20th or 21st even looked up how to delete it and how to unpublish it I just thought wow I am putting so much of myself out there I'm being more vulnerable than I've ever been in my whole life but then I thought to myself why is it a stigma to say to people, I need help. Why is it a stigma for you to have mental health issues and admit that? If anything, being vulnerable, I've learned, is a strength. Being able to be your genuine self is a strong piece of good character. And if anything, it is a foundation for you to not be lost in who you are and what you want. So diving back into that playlist... Wish You Were Here came on, and then Peaches from the Presidents of the United States of America, and Inside Out from Eve Six, Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls, Shimmer from Fuel, then coming back to my college undergraduate year, Sleeping In by the Postal Service, Don't Panic by Coldplay, off the Garden State soundtrack because it was a beautiful soundtrack, Gimme Shelter by the Stones, 
Life by Our Lady Peace, taking me back to high school. A newer track um, called PH by Shibo and Nick Duran, or Dorian. Shine by Bishop Gunn, because Theo Vaughn, my hero as far as comedians and kind of my hero in life right now, got me onto this ketamine therapy by trying it. Let it be, because I knew that around that time frame I'd be coming in to the chair again and coming back from the experience. And that song from the Beatles has such strong words. And then bouncing to In the Waiting Line by Zero Seven. Very trippy and cool song. And lastly, Good Written's Time of Your Life is how it's known by Green Day, which was my graduation song. And all of those songs, I even sent this to a friend of mine, Mike, who I brought up in the podcast, easily my best friend, um, outside of my homie Logan as well too, who lives in New Zealand. Two of you are really amazing humans, and Logan, I hope that you're doing well over there with Julia, but as I was telling Mike in regards to this, I think my life is a song, because literally as I was feeling this, and I wasn't having the out-of-body emotion, and why my research showed me that you need to look into music that's familiar to you, and not really trippy, but words and lyrics that you resonate with, like Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls, I mean... That took me back to a spot. It connected some different pathways in my brain. I have felt happier. I have not felt any anxiety. And maybe in a couple weeks from now, I will do sessions four through six, and maybe I will have that out-of-body experience, and I will share it with you. But the main questions I ask myself, and this is what I recommend doing if you plan on going on this journey, is grab a notebook, legal pad, if you don't mind, having something that doesn't close and write down four, five, six, however many questions that are manageable that you can read over before the experience. Ones like, why do I feel such a need for acceptance? Why do I get so enraged or easily hurt when someone is talking shit or just being a troll? Why is it that my hobbies and interests, I seem to go up like a rocket ship, and Mike has agreed with this, and my father has called it out as well, and it just hits this peak, levels for a little bit, and then falls. I mean, you all have seen it. The podcast was going strong. It was boom, 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 churn out, churn one out, churn one out, and then it stopped. And I guess it has to do with some still some unanswered questions, and I plan to get there, but I can say that there is hope. There is beauty out there, and things are going to get better. I still am going to keep up working out with the gym. I'm also most likely going to try hormone replacement therapy. So you can call me a juicer if you want to, but I got tested and my testosterone's low, and that could also be contributing to fatigue and also be contributing to not being able to hit some of my fitness goals that I've been not been able to hit my, la- my last attempts of doing so outside of you know not eating the right foods not cutting out stuff and not being able to do certain exercises due to limitations of either shoulder or knee or back pain. But, you know, maybe there's modified ways of getting it done. If anything, this has showed me your mind is literally the most powerful piece of machinery, if you want to call it that, inside of your whole body. Your mind is what tells you to stand up when you decide to stand up. And going through meditation prior to this, That was one of the exercises on Headspace was think about it when you stand up. No one ever really does, but think about the actual movement of standing up and sitting down. 
if you just take that moment to notice something so trivial, it'll help you notice other things. Your brain is sending signals to your legs, to your feet, to your back, and everything else that's involved that says, hey, you got to keep this human upright or they're going to fall flat on their fucking face. (laughs) So with that being said, maybe it is the brain that is telling me that I can't do that extra rep at the gym. Maybe it is a lack of, of testosterone. I don't know. But all I know is that this journey has begun. It is something that I am proud of doing. It was something I was scared I was going to be judged for doing prior to this. But I must say, after three sessions, I would tell anybody this. I mean, hell, I work for a cannabis software company. I don't believe I'm going to be trying to work for Goldman Sachs or some firm that turns their nose up when it comes to people exploring different ways to heal themselves besides the peel, the pills that come with a prescription from a, dro- a doctor. No, I'm not advocating you go out there and try street drugs. No, that's the exact opposite. Because when I was talking with some folks, even talking to a dude at a head shop, he was saying that his buddy was trying to get over some mental health issues by taking ketamine on his own. I don't know where the hell the dude got it, but that's scary. I wouldn't want someone to take it recreationally. I'm happy I did it in the comfort of a doctor's office because I knew I was safe and I was being monitored. My health was something they had a pulse on at all times. It wasn't, hey, this dude's just going to you know, be dead in the room or passed out or freaking out and we'll walk in on him and try to figure it out. No, they have a pulse on exactly what you're doing. And I think that's most likely another question that keeps coming up is why do we inert innately lean on things like cannabis, alcohol, or other mind-altering substances to escape. I had a friend of mine in the northern part of the Midwest ask me, she said, when she ate mushrooms, she said, huh, why do I do drugs? She said that just kept coming to her. That's a good question. I mean, if you can get to the point where you ask yourself that question, maybe try to get an answer. And if the answer isn't one that's going to support what you're putting into your body, stop. I mean, I would have loved to try the John Hopkins psilocybin study. I don't think I need to try it now because I found this. I don't think that it's a silver bullet. I think that you should definitely work with your general practitioner and your doctor to try other combinations of medicine. But I also really want to put it out there. There is hope. There are all our alternatives. And I don't think this would be as effective as it is now, if I didn't start making other positive changes like cutting out the alcohol, working out, meditating, attempting to do yoga. By attempting, I mean falling a lot. (laughs) And just trying to be more mindful of why we are our own worst critics, why we hold ourselves up to other people and try to project our feelings and get irritated with other people when it's not really their issue and we don't ask ourselves the question what are you resisting that's another thing I learned from meditation this week prior to doing another session of ketamine was from Headspace in the acceptance series of their meditation instead of asking the question in an I form ask it in a you form just like you're asking a friend a close friend who you're trying to help out Because if you ask in an I form and you say, hey, why am I resisting this? You're more apt to be critical, overthink it, 
be protective, put up walls, some type of shield. But if you ask you, why are you resisting this? Then maybe, just maybe, you can get a clear answer. I'll do my best to share the playlist that I'm going to be listening to on this spiritual journey. And I do promise I will keep you abreast of updates of what this is like after the sixth session. And also try to track it for months down the road because I want to know and I want other people to know whether or not this is lasting. Whether this is something... Pardon me, I had a frog in my throat. Whether this is something that you can truly inspect... Wow, inspect... Whether Well, we'll use that word. You can truly inspect and take a look into and find out whether or not it's something that you can do in six sessions and be done with it. Because what I, from what I've heard from doctors who take it seriously and doctors who have your best health in need, in mind, not need, they are looking at it from a perspective that A, it's either going to work for you or it's not, and they're going to know after the first two or three sessions. And and B, which I always say A or A and B, and then start on ones and twos. That's just how my brain goes. But whatever, maybe I can rewire that. But secondly, they're not going to try to get you to do boosters. Boosters aren't really recommended. Similar to what I was talking about with the gold standard of doing it intravenously versus lozenges, or lozenges. Sorry, um, those are not tried and true. And the best way to explain it, and I think I touched upon it last time, is that if you keep doing it, your brain, if you imagine your brain is a cup full of ramen that's cooked inside of water, and you take a whole package and shove it into that cup, it's pretty full. There's still room. So you do your six sessions, you're adding a couple noodles, those are those new strands, those new pieces of ramen. But what happens when you keep adding more and more and more to this finite space? We don't know yet. And honestly, I'm not trying to give myself any props here, but this is definitely something that has not been tested that long. It's been tested by Harvard. It's being reviewed by the DOD to help soldiers with PTSD because we lose more soldiers to suicide than we do to combat. And I sincerely hope it helps our men and women out there who serve our country selflessly. They come back with scars that cannot be seen, that can only be felt, and cut so deep into the soul that they just can't anymore. And I hope that the Department of Veteran Affairs can get services like these experimented, figure out their efficacy, their value, and how to save lives and prevent the loss of a life of someone who gave their all. There's other studies, like I've mentioned, the John Hopkins psilocybin. I know that they're testing MDMA again, which is good. I think that things are changing. It's really weird hearing in the cannabis space that Amazon is getting behind backing the legalization of cannabis, which is good. Some people think that, oh gosh, Amazon's going to go out there and and make really bad, you know, low quality cannabis and they're just going to mass produce it and they're going to be like the the Walmart of cannabis. (laughs) Yeah, well, get over yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, they have a lot of political influence. Bezos has a ton of money, which equals influence. And if they're getting behind it, they must know a little bit of something about federal legalization and the path it's going to lead us down. And I hope that there are other ways for us to open up our minds as humans to say, hey, we don't need to have people slinging this shit on the street corner or in a dark alley or that sketchy parking lot meetup handing off something for cash. We don't need to do that anymore. But if someone needs this tool, whether it be ketamine, whether it be MDMA, whether it be psilocybin, in the care of a doctor, 
I cannot stress that enough. If you can do that in the care of a licensed doctor, not some quack, not a fucking chiropractor who has screwed up my life more ways than I can can say, um, but if it is an MD, a family doctor who knows what the hell they're doing, and you get good vibes and you can trust them, then that should be a situation where you can legally get help beyond what Pfizer, Lilly, whatever the other ones out there are pushing with their drug reps for this pressed pill that's supposed to make your life better. Am I saying they're bad? No. But I'm saying there are people out there with symptoms that are resistant to that. You hit a wall with these drugs. There's only so many selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or Wellbutrins, which is a different class of drugs. And people shouldn't be taking benzos for years. People are taking Xanax for years when it should only be taken for months. And that's a problem. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not someone who can predict the future, but when I heard Travis Scott saying, um, so many hours till I land, took a, took a Zan, you know, something like that. When you hear rappers and and influencers singing about that, that's kind of was what was happening with someone, you know, taking the Oxy about 20 years ago. It was something that, you know, some really sketchy people did. And then it became something out of control. And I hope it's not what happens with this, but if we keep people on these pills, feeling numb and they get used to feeling numb and be okay with feeling comfortably numb like that song I just mentioned that's not right it makes the pharmaceutical company's money it puts that person in a really bad spot if they have to travel or they have to refill their medication or they're dumb and they put it in their checked bag and someone in the back of house steals some of their pills or they're in a foreign country and they don't have that over there so why as Theo said on his his podcast, if you think of mental illness like an injury, and I'm not saying it's the same as breaking your arm, you don't wear a cast forever. You find a way to fix it, and you let it heal. And once it's mended, you take off the the cast. Some of us may have to have that permanent cast on for our brains. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is always room to explore other options, to see whether or not you can take that cast off with a doctor's care, with a doctor's guidance, and make sure that you're doing it correctly and seeing whether or not you need to have those other pieces in your life. I sincerely hope, like I said in the previous episode, a long time coming, that I look back at these episodes and I see how much growth I've had and see how far I've come. I really want to drive home the point, you're loved, you have a reason, life is worth living. And there are better days ahead. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me. I will definitely keep you updated. And everybody, please have a great upcoming weekend. Mm -hmm.